Hello, and welcome once again to Refresher, the Pop Culture Therapy Podcast. I'm Chris Levine, and I will be your host again this time around. Hey, some thanks are in order. This is our 70th episode of Refresher. Can you believe that? Not one seven, seven followed by a zero. This is only because you are all out there supporting this. So I'm going to say this and I'm going to mean this. Thank you. So what's number 70 about? Well, I read something recently that I found quite gripping. It was an article in the Huffington Post called Traditional Culture and Modern Culture, Man's Fall from Grace. I'm going to read the conclusion of this piece to you now in part. And this is somebody else's words until I, until I mention otherwise. Why do so many people these days seem to be refugees from modern culture? Why are so many people who were raised in the ways of modern culture get so interested in traditional American Indian or Celtic culture? I think it's because there's a hole in modern culture where the truly important spiritual and humane parts of life used to be. Put another way, I think that inside modern man, there's a traditional man somewhere who wants the security of feeling connected to an extended family, who longs for the pleasure of hearing stories, who resonates to the steady drum rhythm or the haunting bagpipe wail, who plods through his anxious dreams, grasping at bits of knowledge, thirsting, perhaps unknowingly, for the cool, delicious harmony of understanding. I believe the shift from traditional to modern culture was one of man's greatest falls from grace. And that's something. Well, this time we're going to talk about this. We're going to be tackling how we sometimes do the same thing. We find ourselves replacing real life experiencing and potential bonding and real learning with distractions, or I guess just things, things to keep us busy or things we can hide behind. See, we have the potential to completely replace things of spiritual and humane importance with just plain other things. These things become our hiding places. These things sometimes become our happy places. And oftentimes it's because these things are very comfortable. Now, some things you may think wouldn't be comfortable, like for example, going to work. But you know, Forbes commented on this. It said that Norwegian researchers from the Department of Psychosocial Science at the University of Bergen identified specific symptoms that are characteristic of what we would call workaholics. Some of what they found was that in this state of work addiction, we might work in order to do things besides just bring home a paycheck. We might work to reduce feelings of guilt, anxiety, helplessness, and or depression. We may also find ourselves, because of this, deprioritizing our hobbies, our leisure activities, and or our exercise because we've got to focus on the work. So work becomes a surrogate for more spiritual and humane things. 
it takes their place. Another hiding place where some may go to feel things instead of being around others in, in kind of more intimate settings is by just drowning themselves in sports. And, and with all these things, I'm not saying any of these things are necessarily bad, but the Sports Networker website said this. It said that being a sports fan allows you to feel deep emotional investment in something that has no actual real world consequences. Again, this is them saying that, not me. Listen to this. It says sports are never guaranteed to end happily. In fact, for some fans, most games end in a highly unsatisfying way. As a fan, you'll feel actual joy. You'll feel actual pain in relation to events that don't really affect your actual life at all. It matters deeply, and yet it doesn't matter at all. I love this next sentence, and I wish I would have written it, but I didn't. It says, it's heartbreak with training wheels. The opportunity to experience and survive is something to be valued, not lamented. So again, for those spiritual and humane areas of life that are lacking, that's something that some individuals, not everybody, but some individuals hide behind to help them to feel. Another big one is shopping. People sometimes shop specifically to fill voids that are not being satisfied in other humane ways. Each purchase is essentially a reward. It's even called retail therapy by some. It's funny, in pop culture, this is all over the place. There is a Confessions of a Shopaholic movie that's patterned after a series of books with the same theme. Uh, the Cleveland Clinic stated here that shopping shifts from being therapeutic to problematic and compulsive behavior when it becomes a go-to way of dealing with anxiety, stress, or loss. And compulsive shoppers have frequent buying episodes or empowering urges to purchase items and that this behavior is linked to feelings of worthlessness in addition to something that I thought was interesting that it says, a lack of power. When you buy something, you're in control. So again, it's another surrogate. Shopping is replacing something for some, not everybody, it's attempting to fill a hole in one's life when done for these reasons. And we can keep going. Food does this. Gaming does this. The internet as is, is, is a whole does this. Alcohol does this. Entertainment in general can be just that. Entertainment. Something that's fun. Or it can again be our longing to feel something and can serve as an escape hatch from having to find fulfillment in more vulnerable ways by putting yourself out there. Uh, according to the Psychology Spot website, the Mannheim University revealed that the amount of hours adults spend watching television is an indicator of their level of escapism. These psychologists discovered that those who experience a minor need for self-reflection and don't really introspectively look at things that much, tend to devote way more hours of the day to television. 
And, and an author on Psychology Today stated that the problem is that in today's world, there's neither the inclination nor often the opportunity to spend much me time without electronics because there is always a computer on hand, be it your phone or a PC or a tablet or whatever. He suggested that the real form of escapism nowadays is the compulsive need to constantly be engaged in living an electronic life of fact-finding, problem-solving, video game playing, and personal chit-chat. And all this is at the expense of retreating from life's going-ons from time to time and learning from them, exercising the mind by mentally reliving events, meditating on things. Now, can this comfort level change and can we re-replace our hiding places back to real tangible things involving others? Well, recently, the idea of using stand-in surrogates has been something that I've personally been doing a lot of exploring about. Uh, in layman's terms, what I understood to be cognitive behavioral therapy along these lines was basically three steps. You got these three steps, you got the program. Number one, you identify the problem. Number two, you face it. Number three, you convince yourself by various means that you don't have to be a slave to it. That's it. Now, my instant reaction was one of, well, that sounds great on paper, but could it be possible that this formula is realistic in real world situations? And you know what? I found out that yes, but over time it can be. Other factors by all means are going to help us to get there. For example, allowing the right people, real friends, in the true sense of the word friends, allowing them in and actually listening to them, as well as being able to express feelings to them. These things are going to help you with all three of the steps that I just mentioned. It seems often that we would rather kid ourselves and hide behind what feels natural than to do this. It's both easier and definitely more convenient to just push those things down and sit in front of a television. You know, years ago, when I used to write songs a lot, a lyric came to me. And it was for a song that essentially painted this picture. It was a man meeting a woman and how they carefully and skillfully conversed while still walking the line of being guarded. So like they were free with one another. They obviously liked one another, but they were also guarded with one another. They'd been burned before. Now, the woman in the song was confident. The man was not unconfident as much as he was less trusting than the woman. So here's the lyric in question. I wrote this. She asked him why he was wearing a clothes sign around his neck. He smiled and said, when I stay open, people come in and the place gets wrecked. This lyric was totally and completely me writing about me at the time. I truly believe that in 1997. Yet now with more life experience, it seems that staying open or closed Wearing an open sign around your neck or a closed sign around your neck, that's not the issue. That's not the problem. Depends who you let in. If you let the wrong people in, it doesn't mean 
stopping everyone from coming in. We can control the entry into our hearts and into our lives to some degree. True, we should be friendly and should be loving, but we should also try to have these real friends at greater levels of trust and respect around that honestly love us and reassure us. If we don't, cognitive behavioral theory is still possible, but it truly feels like it's you against the world. And, you know, for some people hear that it's me against the world, and it might pitifully seem a little bit romantic to think like that. But most of the time, it's, it's more like us against us. When I wrote that song, people were not let into my world very often. Yes, I had friends at distances. There were people that I loved from a distance and people that loved me to the extent that I let them. But that didn't mean that I would intimately talk with any of them. So you may say, well, what did you do? If you're even remotely a passionate or an emotional or a sensitive person, which you are, what'd you do? My surrogate was music. It always has been. I didn't know that, but music was my Linus blanket and my outlet and my source of where my lullabies came from when I needed to be rocked to sleep ever since I was a little boy laying in the middle of the floor with headphones on and a record player. Interestingly, music essentially handled one of the three cognitive steps that I read. It identified, or at least helped identify, my issues. I can't say for sure that music helped me face my issues or helped me in any way to attack my issues, but it helped me to emote and express and release and create, which felt good nonetheless. So the dots have now been connected, and I have finally come to understand that this is why my entire life people have told me, kidded with me, made reference to the fact that, wow, this guy knows a lot about music. You know, and the main reason that I've been obsessed with music, artists, documentaries, and trivia is because I allowed, literally for the majority of my life, music to be the surrogate to replace people. In many cases, it did a really good job. <laughs> music gave me emotional connections to some extent that I felt would suffice. But now I feel that it simply cannot be your total support system. It's just a surrogate. You need more emotionally, spiritually, and realistically. Music will always be influential. It will always be important. It will always be sustenance. I will always be grateful to music. Yet, with all of the love I have for it, all of the things that it's done both to me and for me, and all of the appreciation that I have for the power that it has, I realize that all it really is ultimately is a surrogate. It's a surrogate. So at this point, I'm ready to take it back and I'm ready to just take it from here on my own. If you have a surrogate, something that you're hiding behind to stop you from having 
humane and spiritual experiences. Don't do that. Really live, really learn, and really experience. And let those be the icing on the cake. We have once again arrived at the time on Refresher when we present you with a Spotify playlist to fill your void with some feel-good atmosphere, at least to some degree. Uh, we have for you this time around a Refresher podcast, Reality Surrogating, You Are Not the Father playlist. You can find it really easily on Spotify. Just type in Refresher podcast dash reality surrogating you are not the father. The list theme, essentially, what it's doing is isolating surrogate hiding places that many of us have, most that we touched upon in this episode. See if you can pick them out. Track number one is by Daft Punk, and it's called Give Life Back to Music. Now, for me, this is all about the Nile Rodgers guitar on this thing. It is quintessential Nile Rodgers chic guitar, and it just sounds so good. Number two, At the Movies by Bad Brains. Number three is Fishbone with Hide Behind My Glasses. Number four, TV Party by Black Flag. Number five, a not-too-common James Brown deeper track called Escapism. Number six, Michael Jackson and Working Day and Night from his Off the Wall record. Number seven, a song called Online by Gnarls Barkley. Number eight, a reggae track. You're probably thinking, Chris, you put a lot of reggae on these things. Yes, I do. This one is by Ika Mouse, and the song is called Shopping. Number nine, The Turtles with a quirky song called Food off of their Battle of the Bands record. And number 10, a little bit of lounge to cap this off. We have Eddie Stone with Time to Get a Drink, Just a Little Drink. Well, that's our new playlist. Again, you can find this playlist really easily on Spotify. Just type in Refresher Podcast dash Reality Surrogating you are not the father. We'd like to welcome some new listeners to our little show. Our demographics reports show that we now have listeners in North Hollywood, California. I know that place. I used to work at that place. Welcome to Refresher. Honestly, we're so happy you're here. You know, this show would simply not exist without you. If you could do me a small favor and please continue to pass this podcast along to your friends. You can post it to your social media if you have social media and if that's comfortable for you. Also, if you'd like to help keep this podcast stay up and running, if you'd like, you can make a small monthly contribution. Just see the support this podcast link under the episode description. If that's something you feel like doing, that would be wonderful. But whether you do or whether you don't, Please just feel free to listen and enjoy anytime. As always, the music that begins and ends this podcast is by the band Dive. The song is called A Day Late, and it was written by Mr. John Biafuerte. But until next time, this is Chris Levine for Refresher, the pop culture therapy podcast. Everyone, please take care and do yourself a favor and remember, 
that there's a big difference between worry and concern. We'll see you next time.